listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Online at bethanynaz.org. My wife, Annette, and I, we have two daughters. Um, Brittany is 34 and uh, Morgan's 29. And you're thinking there's no way he could have kids that old, but I do. And uh, I remember just to protect my, my daughters a little bit, one of them in her late teenage years went through a pretty tough season, which means I went through a pretty tough season and Danette went through a pretty tough season. I, I remember desperately as her daddy wanting to fix it, you know, I wanted to be her savior. I wanted to uh, make everything okay. I couldn't. So, I, I know that you know that we can deal with lots of problems in life, but when it comes to our kids, it's a different level. And so here I am, feeling as desperate as I've ever felt in my life for my kid. And I remember my prayer was different than prayers I'd ever prayed in my life. I, I understand the words in the song we just heard. I found out what it really means to pray. Because I prayed then for my daughter like I probably never prayed to that point. And I remember having to come to a place just to say, God, I trust you. There's nothing I can do. I can't fix it. I can't make it better. I can't, I can't deliver her from this. I just, I just have to say, God, I'm trusting you at this point. So you've, you've been to a place like that before in your life, right? You understand what I'm talking about. Maybe the situation is different. I'm glad to say that, that my daughter came through it and we came through it. But we didn't know at that point how the story would end when we were in the middle of it. But one of the questions is, how do we respond to seasons of life like that? Now, here we are in the season of Lent. And in this season of Lent, what we're trying to do is think about Jesus' last hours of his life. Actually, about the last 20 hours of his life. And, and, and all that he was going through, we talked last week about the Last Supper. Today we'll talk about Gethsemane, the garden where he prayed. We'll talk about the denial, the betrayal. We'll talk about his suffering. We'll talk about the cross. And over my head is the second image this week of the garden. And, and I pray that this image takes on new meaning for you today. If, if you read the story a moment ago, most likely you would say, well, if I think about the Garden of Gethsemane from what I just heard in the scripture, it represents sorrow, right? I mean, Jesus was sorrowful, it said. It, it represents deep prayer, agonizing prayer like Maybe the first time somebody's really prayed, it, it represents this trust in God and submission to, to God. God, I'm, I'm still going to follow you. I still believe in you. I'm still going with your plan. I'm, I'm just going to have to trust you and submit to your will here. I think it's all of those things. But, but I think it also represents love. And I think it represents a kind of love like we've never experienced ever in our lives before and will never experience again. It's the love of Jesus for you and me. It's Jesus saying, no, 
no, I can't, I can't back out of this thing because, because there's John, you know, and there's Lane and, and there's Cindy and there's Rick and, and I gotta do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm in. Because it's about them. And, and I prayed early this morning that, that if you walked into the room saying, you know, I've been told all of my life that Jesus loves me. I don't know that I quite grasp it. I hope that today when you leave this place, you'll say, we open God's word and the Bible tells me that Jesus loves me. And I've come to believe it. So let me, let me take you to the story, okay? We've, we've had last week the Last Supper. Uh, Jesus explains to them that my, uh, my body's gonna be broken, my blood is gonna be poured out for the forgiveness of sins. There is gonna be an exodus. People are gonna leave a life of sin. They're no longer gonna be slaves to sin. My life will be the sacrifice that makes that possible. And, uh, and then he goes with his disciples after he comforts them and prays for them. Can I, can I pray for you boys before we go? My heart's heavy for you. And after he prays for them, they go to the garden. And so here's where we are. Matthew 26, verse 36 through 46. Lots of sixes there. 26, 36, and 46. You with me? Here we go. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. Uh, John refers to it in his gospel as a garden. And all four of the gospel writers talk about this experience. And Jesus said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. So he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. That would be James and John. So if the math is right, there's 12 disciples. Judas is not with them any longer. And so he has eight to sit down, right? And then the other three, Peter, James, and John, goes with him a little further. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. So that's why I think it's appropriate to say Gethsemane represents like Sorrow, right? And, and deep troubled in your spirit. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. So you're listening to the words of Jesus. To this point, they've seen Jesus always with the answer. You know, always the one-liner. Always the compassion and love. But here you see Jesus. Hey, guys, I'm overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. I, th- I think this this is more than I can stand. Will you stay here and keep watch? Literally, keep watch means would you stay awake with me? And so then going a little further, he fell on his face. I don't know if you've ever fallen on your face in prayer or not. Jesus falls on his face to the ground and he prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. And then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. In other words, so that you won't forsake me or deny me. The spirit is willing, but you and I know the flesh is weak. And so he went away a second time and he prayed, my father, if it is not possible to change in the wording for this cup to be taken away, lest I drink it, may your will be done. Echoing the Lord's prayer. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were so heavy. So then he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. 
And then he returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? And he concludes with these words, look, the hour has come and the son of man is delivered into the hands of sinners. I was in a grocery store this past week and um, and I was standing in the produce aisle right there by the tomatoes. And all of a sudden, um, a bag of hamburger buns hit me in the chest. So it was a friend who saw me from a distance. And I guess he thought it would be cool just to throw his hamburger buns. And, and he was a good throw. And so they fell down into my cart. And so I picked them up and I threw them back at him. And we chatted a little bit. And when he got ready to walk away, he says, uh, okay, take care, Pastor. I said, okay, have a good day. And there was a lady working there in the produce section. And she says to me, uh, excuse me, did he say you're a pastor? And I said, he did. And she said, I wonder if it's okay if I ask a favor of you. And she reaches and takes a necklace that she's wearing around her neck in her hand. And she said, these are my son's ashes. He was only 25. He died as a result of fentanyl poisoning. And I know that my grandparents would want me to have a priest to bless these ashes. I I know that you don't know me, but would it be asking too much of you to ask you to bless these ashes for me? And, and so I said to her, I said, I, I think I understand what you're asking. I'm a, I'm a Protestant. I'm not Catholic. I'm, I'm a pastor. I don't refer to myself as a priest. But I would be so honored to pray for you today. And she said, you would? And I said, absolutely. And so I just laid my hand over on her shoulder. And standing there in the produce section of the grocery store, I prayed for her. I don't know her well, but I know where she works. And from the conversation, everything seems to point to the fact that she doesn't have a pastor in her life. And so I've told my wife, Annette, I'm going to do my best to be her pastor. I'm going to go back and I'm going to find her. If I have to go back several times to find her shift. And, and I want to be any blessing in the world that I can be to her. I think she's in Gethsemane. I think the sorrow that she is feeling is to the point of death. And I think standing in a grocery store, she was willing to call out to God in desperation. And I think with her, I want to lead her to this place of saying, God, I've got to put my trust in you. And believe in you. You understand this, this story. The context here is, is, um, is Jesus has been at this meal, this Passover meal with his disciples. And now he leaves the city of Jerusalem. He probably goes out the eastern gate of the city. He crosses the, the, the Kidron Valley and onto the Mount of Olives. I brought a picture that I took in 2019. I was standing on the top of the Mount of Olives, that 
part of a mountain range that separates Jerusalem from uh, the Judean desert. So if you think about me standing with the camera here, just in back of me is the, the Judean desert. This is the Kidron Valley right here. This is Jerusalem right here, the city. And, and here at the foot of the, um, of the Mount of Olives is a garden, an olive orchard called Gethsemane. Now, Gethsemane literally means olive press, oil press. And so the idea is that there was probably in this garden, John calls it a garden, this press where you could, you know, press the olives to gain the oil. And so Jesus is is there. We, we don't know exactly where the garden is, but there are uh, olive trees there that have been there many years. Let me show you a couple of pictures. This one is just a, a, a picture that I took with my phone, and this is what it looks like in the garden. I, I probably don't have to tell you, it's a very solemn place. You've been downtown to, to visit the memorial. Do, do you know what it's like when you're there? It's somber. It, it, it is even more so here. Here's another picture. It just gives you an idea. There's also a church that has been built nearby here. And like I say, there's no way that you're 100% sure that this is the actual garden. But many believe that it is. If not, it's in this very close proximity. And when you walk through, it was probably the most sobering uh, moment that I experienced while I was visiting the Holy Land. So... I wanted to ask you this morning, how many of you have been? I, I don't mean that you got on a plane in New York and you flew to Tel Aviv. And then you got on a tour bus and you traveled to the east side of Jerusalem across the Kidron Valley to the Mount of Olives. And, and visited a site there where many believe is the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus actually prayed. I don't mean that. I mean, have you ever been to Gethsemane? Have, have you ever had this moment in your life when you, when you felt completely desperate? The distress was more than you could bear. You, you, you called out to God and, and, and maybe for the first time in your life you said, I've never prayed from my gut like I prayed from my gut that time. I've never felt so desperate for God's help. I've, I've never been in a place where I just throw up my hands and say, God, there's, there's nothing I can do here. I, I just have to say that I still believe in you. I still trust you. I'm still going to follow you. I'm hurting like crazy, but, but it's all yours, God. I trust you with it. Has somebody that you love been really sick? And you say, God, is there any way this could not be real? Have you had a child, a son, a daughter, or somebody that you love deeply, and you just pray, God, don't let what's happening in their life be actually happening. Can we not do this? Could it somehow just get better? Have you ever had a problem in front of you and you just say, God, I don't, I don't, have, I don't have the energy it's going to take to walk through this. I can't do it. Can you take it away from me? Do you understand what I'm asking you? Have, have you been? You've been to Gethsemane? I got a feeling most of us have. 
at some point of our lives. In fact, I would say this. I would say all of us have been or one day will go to Gethsemane. So I think you get the picture. Jesus leaves the eight disciples. He takes Peter and John and James. They're kind of the inner circle. And he says to them, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. Would you just stay and watch with me? Watch literally, if you just translate it, it means stay awake. So why is it important that they stay awake? Let me tell you why it's important they stay awake. Because if they go to sleep, then Jesus is alone. And Jesus realized that he needed friends to be with him, to pray with him, to love him in Gethsemane. And when you go to Gethsemane, it's okay for you to need friends to be with you, to pray with you, and to love you. Jesus did. And so do we. It's been, it's been one of those weeks for me. Uh, I, I, I made a list. I was on the phone um, a couple of days ago with a young woman and her husband. She's fighting cancer. And, and I don't know how else to say it. But the chemo treatments are relentless on her body right now. And and I just got a text that said it's 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 tough. And I text back, can I call you? And they said yes. And I said, I just want to pray for you. And and I asked God to somehow help them. I I visited a friend just Yesterday, who's been through so much physical stuff. You, if, if, if I, I can't even remember over the last few years how many different physical issues he has to gone through. And it just, it, it's, it's unreal. I prayed for him. I took out my phone in the car just yesterday and I called a, a friend that I've known for years and years. And I said, John, how you doing? And he says, Rick, it's, it's so hard. I could have never imagined. Just, just a few days ago, his wife passed away. I, I reached out to a family yesterday. And I just sent them a text. And I said, you know, I've been thinking about you all week as I've been preparing the sermon. Because they buried their daughter and their, their sister. Way too young. I... I've been in communication with a guy who's recovering from surgery and, and he's hoping and praying and believing and his family's hoping and praying and believing that, that the result of the surgery is that his quality of life is going to improve greatly, you know? I've spent time with parents this week who are concerned about a kid. I prayed with the lady that I think the world of who is in the process of losing her daddy. And, and I think every one of these people have probably said, God, God, you know, <laughs> could you make this go away? Do we absolutely have to do this? 
Is, is there any way you can just make everything okay? Just make it all right. That's what Jesus prayed. Can you take, can you take this cup from me? So in the Old Testament, this idea of cup, we, we read about it over and over again, and over and over again, it is a metaphor for suffering. Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel talk about this cup, and in every instance, it's about suffering. And so there's this debate among scholars saying, what's going on with Jesus? Is he like saying, I don't want to have to go through all of this suffering. I don't want the whipping that's going to come. I don't want the beating that's going to come. I don't want to be hung on a cross. I don't want to die there. And others say, is Jesus really talking about something else? Is he talking about the fact that he's going to bear the weight and the punishment of the sin of the whole world? He's never sinned. He's never felt separation from God. Never once. I think it's all the above. He's human. He's God. I I think what happens to me, and I think what happens to you throughout your life, is we begin to ask hard questions. And when we get to this point of the story, Matthew knows that people are asking this question. He's trying to answer it. And the question is, is God in control here or not? Right? I mean, what's going on? Looks like to me, if I'm just objectively reading this story, (laughs) looks like the wheels of the Jesus wagon are falling off. To say the least, it's stuck in the mud. He's claiming to be the Messiah and you're using words like crucified? And Matthew begins to paint a picture by quoting the prophets, by quoting Jesus himself to explain that this is part of the divine plan. And Jesus loves you. And he loves me so much that he said, you know what? I will willingly go to the cross. I'm all in. I'll do it for you and you and you and I'll do it for Rick. It matters that much to me. In fact, here are his words. Not as I will, but as you will. May your will be done. Do you remember when Jesus was asked by the disciples, would you teach us how to pray? We don't know how to pray like you do. You pray incredibly well. Could you teach us how to pray? And he teaches them to say, our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And he says, I'm going to practice what I preach. And he prays not for his will, but for God's will. I, uh, I should ask Nick to come. I know that he has a song, but I want to I want to tell you one story before I stop, okay? I remember years ago doing a funeral with another preacher. Never met him before. He was actually from a town nearby. The family had lived in that town and then had moved to where I was and I became their pastor, but we shared the funeral together. And at the service, he said to me, 
would you like to ride to the cemetery together? I'm going to come right back by the church on the way. And I said, sure. I was, I was glad he reached out. I didn't know him, and I thought it would be good to get to, to know him. And so we're driving behind the hearse in his car. And he said to me, you have family? And I said, yeah, my wife is Annette. I've got two girls, Brittany and Morgan. You have a family? And he said, yes, I have a wife and I have a son. And he said, we had a daughter that we lost two years ago. She was only eight years old. And he told me how she died. Well, I was, I was stopped. I know I'm a pastor, but who's got good words in that moment? And I said to him, I know that it's a question that's probably hard to answer, but you're finding God's grace. He's bringing you through. He said he is. And then he gets into this story. He says, I got, I got to tell you about it, though. And he said, I was at a hospital one day visiting a lady in my church. And he said, While I was there at the hospital, this nurse that I had known from years ago uh, saw me and she came over to me and she said, listen, I just want to tell you that I heard, you know, about what happened to you, your little girl, and I'm sorry for what happened to her. And she said, I just wanted you to know that we prayed for you through that time. And so he said, she asked me a question. She said, how did you keep your faith through all of that? He said, I stumbled and stumbled for an answer. I didn't have one. In fact, he said, uh, I don't even know if it was good to say I kept my faith through it. Went home that night. Couldn't get away from the question. prayed for a few days now this is a year later from losing his daughter and he says I drive back to the hospital but not to see the lady because she had been discharged I went to see the nurse and I said to her you asked me a question and I didn't really have a good answer for it but I have an answer you asked me how I kept my faith through the loss of my daughter He said, I'll be honest with you. There were days that I didn't want to preach. There were days I couldn't preach. There were days I didn't want to pray. In fact, there were days I couldn't pray. He said, you asked me how I kept my faith. He said, I think it's the other way around. He said, I think it was my faith that kept me through it all I think it was my faith in God's love for me that carried me through I knew that Jesus had gone before me in this suffering and I knew that he was with me and it was my faith that kept me through it all so this morning it may be that um, you're in Gethsemane. And you need to be reminded this morning that Jesus went through Gethsemane. 
there comes a time when you just say, God, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't like it. In fact, it's awful right now. But I'm still going to follow you. I'm still going to trust you. I'm still going to keep the faith. I'm still going to stay on track with the plan. It's in your hands. It's truly a moment of surrender to him. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, okay? We're going to sing. And as we do, I would love to give you the opportunity today to come and pray. And I do believe it's one of those days where you may say, I want to pray for, uh, for myself, my family, for something we're going through. It may be that you have a friend that's going through something pretty heavy. You want to pray for them. It could be healing that, that you need or healing that someone you love needs and you want to be prayed for on their behalf. And I'm going to ask pastors to be available down front. You'll see them standing here facing you. And if you want to be prayed for, just go to one of those pastors and ask them to pray for you. You've also heard the gospel this morning that Jesus said, I'll do it for you. And this morning you may want to come to know Jesus personally, like Aaron Hall talked about coming to know Jesus personally this morning. You may want to be forgiven of sin as Jesus provided for that by his death on the cross. You want to enter into a right relationship with God. You want to know Him. For any of those reasons this morning, feel free to come. Just step out from where you are and walk down and pray. And if you want a pastor to pray with you, come pastors. There will be several here to pray with you. Let's see.
Thank you for being here this morning. 
you are dismissed. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.